it's a privilege to uh, be able to uh, share with you um, just a very brief background on on, on myself. Um, I uh, um, uh, my, my affiliations are actually identified in the corners of the slides. Um, I am uh, on the faculty at the University of Iowa, the College of Pharmacy. Um, I'm also affiliated with Christian Pharmacists Fellowship International. I'm currently the executive director, and uh, I work with Global Health Outreach as uh, on their advisory council representing uh, pharmacy in, in the GHO trips that go out. So um, those are, are my affiliations. Those are my conflicts of interest. I don't have any financial conflicts of interest, um, but, but those, those are my conflicts of interest. So um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the judicious use of, of antibiotics in developing countries. And to begin with, uh, well, by the time we're done, you should be able to identify at least six common clinical syndromes that may be seen in the ambulatory care environment in a, a developing country that you might experience on a short-term project. Those areas, you should be able to understand the evidence and summarize the rates of resistance that are, that are uh, common from some of those infectious diseases, and you should be able to select an antibiotic regimen dose to be able to, uh, and correct duration to successfully treat those. Uh, in many situations. I'm hoping to keep my presentation short and leave enough time for questions at the end. Generally, there's more wealth of knowledge in the room than, than, than um, uh, we take advantage of. And so I'm hoping that maybe we can have some discussion about some of these, these uh, towards the end. To begin with, a couple things on stewardship. We're taught in, in Luke 14 that, that any time we set out to do something, we need to, um, it says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying this fellow began to build and was not able to finish I've had the opportunity to experience that firsthand. I've been in a number of developing countries, and you see these buildings, sometimes very large, potentially nice structures that sit half-finished. And our host has often said, oh, yeah, that uh, the previous president started that. He didn't have the funds to finish it, and it sits unfinished. And, and people ridicule him because of that. Um, we are to be good stewards of the resources that God has given us. We need to sit down and, and count the cost of what we have. And then we need to make sure that when we set about doing something, that we do it wisely. Again, Matthew, Jesus was teaching. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew against and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell 
with a great crash. There are seats up front. I'll make two more. In the developing world, antimicrobial agents typically account for a large, well, in the developed world, antimicrobial agents typically account for a large portion of the pharmacy expenditures in a hospital. It's been estimated that 50% of antimicrobial use in hospitals is inappropriate. So antibiotics are used a lot, and half the time they're used inappropriately. Inappropriate antibiotic use has been associated with the provocation of antimicrobial resistance and, and, and other adverse drug effects. Appropriate use of antimicrobial agents does improve patient outcomes and it does reduce overall medical costs. Inappropriate use drives those costs up and uh, it often results in very poor patient outcomes. And so there is uh, a strong movement in this country for antimicrobial stewardship, and the Infectious Disease Society of America has given us examples of inappropriate use of antimicrobial agents. They say that use of antibacterial agents for treatment of syndromes that are not caused by bacteria, for example colds, acute bronchitis, most sore throats, and just general fever, in many cases, are not caused by bacteria, and, and it's inappropriate to use antimicrobials in those situations. Administration of an antibacterial with a broader than necessary spectrum of action. So you don't know what you're treating, so you bring out the shotgun. You want to cover everything. And the Infectious Disease Society of America says that that's inappropriate. Failure to consider likely pathogens and resistance patterns in selecting an empiric antibiotic treatment. You just start out with one drug because you like it, um, rather than knowing what the pattern in that institution is and choosing the antibiotic most likely due to that pattern. They also say that prescribing courses of antibiotic therapy um, for periods of time longer than is really necessary is another example of inappropriate use. And prescribing antibacterial agents at inappropriate doses, either too high or too low, or at wrong intervals. And then treating infectious processes with agents that don't provide activity against the organism that's really causing that disorder. So again, though these are some examples here in the developed world of inappropriate antibiotic use. All six of these could be applied in the developing world as well. And so hopefully some of the things that I address today will address some of those. The, the Infectious Disease Society of America actually has additional ones that I didn't include, but they wouldn't really be relevant in a developing area. But these are things that we should think about. We should be stewards 
of the resources that we have available to us. So we need to think about that. Just antimicrobial resistance, just a, a quick slide just to give you an indication. From 1990 on up into the 2000s, you can just look at the graph and see how resistance has, has increased significantly over the years. There's some up here, guys. Over two to three times in, in the past decades, the, the rate of resistance has increased. At the same time, during the same period of time, the development of new antimicrobial agents has been on the decrease. So resistance is rapidly increasing, and the number of new antibiotics is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And so soon we're going to find ourselves in a situation where we're not going to have appropriate antibiotics to treat some of the conditions we're encountering. Now, that's here in the developed world. Some of these problems could be magnified even greater in the developing world. And so we, as we have the opportunity and privilege to get involved in, in short-term trips, and I've had the privilege of being on a number of short-term trips, been to Kenya, to Ethiopia, to Nicaragua, to Afghanistan, uh, sometimes multiple times to those places. Um, as we have the opportunity to go in and, and provide um, primary care, one of the agents we're going to use frequently is antibiotics. And so hopefully we can talk about how to do that a little bit more uh, wisely. Again, just a, another example here. Financially, um, they've shown that the costs... Um, associated with the increased medical costs, associated with the development of resistance, you know, up to 30000 in excess, uh, and then a hospital stay increasing on the average doubling from 6.4 to 12.7 days. Uh, uh, mortality increases by about 6.5% in patients with resistance. So, again, it is, it is a concern in this country and it could become a concern in the developing world. Why are these potential uh, concerns? Um, why the, the increased adverse events, delays in initiating a, a effective therapy? Um, what you started with doesn't work. You've got to switch to something else. You've just delayed that much longer. That's why you have the increased hospital stays. Less effective and or more toxic antimicrobials are end up being used. If the first line agent doesn't work, you move to the next line. That may have more serious uh, adverse effects. Uh, the severity of the underlying disease could be changing during that period of time. It's probably, the increase in adverse outcomes is probably not due to that, that resistant organ organism being more virulent, it's not more, more damaging to the body, it's just that we have these other delays. So resistant strains have generally not been shown to be more virulent with the exception of community-associated methicillin-resistant staph aureus. That's one that probably is more virulent uh, when resistance develops. But for most uh, microbials, 
when they develop resistance, they're not more virulent. They don't cause more damage. It's just we have these other delays associated with it. So antimicrobial stewardship. It's defined as a rational, systematic approach to the use of antimicrobial agents in order to achieve optimal outcomes. So we want to get the best outcome. We want to improve uh, our, our cure rate, so getting rid of that infection. We want to avoid toxicity and other adverse effects, and we want to avoid the emergence or propagation of antimicrobial resistance. So that's what our goal is, to sit down and to carefully count the cost to evaluate the antibiotics that we have and are potentially going to use on our short-term trip to make sure that we're choosing the ones that will have the greatest benefit uh, for people. Uh, we want to uh, also then uh, make sure that those that we choose to take with us, that we use them wisely, uh, that we're building our, our, our foundation on a solid rock and not on that sand that we talked about. Improving antibiotic use is a public imperative. Antibiotics are a shared resource, and they're a scarce resource. Hopefully that was made clear in that slide that showed the decrease in the number of new antibiotics. So, And it is a shared resource. Antibiotics are the only drug where use in one patient impacts effectiveness in another. If you're using an antihypertensive in one patient, that doesn't affect hypertension in any other patient. But your choice of an antibiotic in a patient, if it promotes resistance, is going to affect other patients. And so uh, it is a shared resource, and we need to be very careful about our use. If everyone does not use antibiotics well, then we all are going to suffer the consequences. And so we have a, a, an important public health responsibility. Okay, hopefully that gives you just a, um, a, a broad picture of why this is important. And, and hopefully you'll uh, be excited about thinking about what it is that you can do to, to uh, um, make sure that you are a good steward of the, of the resources that are available. I'm going to take time now and go through different diseases. And now that everybody's in the room, I'll say it for the third time. Um, the handout is available on the website. If you go to medicalmissions.com, you choose conferences, you choose the GMCH, 2012, the sessions are all listed. You go to this session and you click on my name or the title of the talk and it will bring up a page and you can download either the slides on a PDF, six to a page, or you can download the PowerPoint itself. So it is available um, that, that you can access. That's why we didn't print handouts. They're made available to you uh, via the web. Okay, so now we're going to talk about different examples. Now, what I did simply is I chose some of the common things that you will likely see on a short-term trip. And I basically, more or less, 
and providing the recommendations that are in the handbook of medicine in developing countries. That's a, that's a, a book that's given to everybody that goes out on a GHO trip. And in there, they talk about how to treat various conditions. And so, essentially, most of my information comes from there. Like I said earlier, when we're done, there may be some practical experience in the audience that maybe you would like to share about some of these. And so hopefully we'll have time for that discussion at the end. But I want to just touch on a bunch of these and just very briefly um, just, just how they would be treated. Again, I've chosen to focus on my slides just on the adult treatment. But the pediatric treatment in many cases is listed there as well. Um, and and uh, uh, that type of thing. So urinary tract infections for a urethritis or a cystitis. Now, you probably are not going to have a culture and sensitivity, but you may very well have a, a little urine um, um, uh, dipstick uh, test that you can do, and if there's greater than five white blood cells or there's a leukocyte esterase, likely you're dealing with a gram-negative rod. The treatment, and again... What we do on our trips is we have a standard formulary, and we um, bring the medicines that are on that formulary. And if there's time, I'll, I'll bring up the spreadsheet and show you what the formulary looks like. You can download it uh, from uh, the CPFI website. We have a sample formulary there. Uh, but that formulary is what uh, guides the physicians. We even have these specific instructions. These directions are on that formulary for most of these. Now, we don't have it for every diagnosis, but for most of them. So, again, for urinary tract infection, one of your options would be relatively inexpensive as long as they're not allergic to a sulfa drug, uh, trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole, or Bactrim, a common trade name, or cotrimoxazole, as it's referred to in many countries. Preferably the double-strength tablet for an adult, just one twice a day for five days. You could use amoxicillin. Uh, 500 milligrams, three times a day for five days. Or you could use a first-generation cephalosporin like cephalex and keflex. There you could either use 250 milligrams three times a day or 500 twice a day for five days. You could use an oral fluoroquinolone, ciprofloxacin, 250 milligram twice a day or 500 milligram once a day for three days. That's the standard that we use, and uh, that's what's automatically dispensed uh, from the pharmacy unless the physician lets us know otherwise. But that's typically what we would do for a urethritis or a cystitis. If they felt that there was a pyelonephritis, if there was uh, deeper back pain and they felt that it was a little deeper, then it's more or less the same treatments extended out for 10 days. Okay, so Bactrim twice a day for 10 days, amoxicillin, the higher dose for 10 days, um, the uh, cephalexin for 10 days, or the ciprofloxin, again, that, um, that uh, the recommendation is, is just three days, but there would probably would be some who would go out seven days for that as well if they felt it was a pyelonephritis, but uh, I think the handbook of medicine still lists three days for that. Okay, that's urinary tract infections. Let's look at some of the sexually transmitted diseases. Gonorrhea. 
if uh, you uh, uh, determine that the patient has gonorrhea, and then you know, obviously you probably also want to think about treating the partner as well, but, but often Bactrim or trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole is going to be resistant, so you probably don't want to include that. That uh, used to be a common treatment. You could do a single IM injection, ceftriaxone 250 milligram. If you bring a little of ceftriaxone along as an injection, you can do a single uh, injection and take care of it. Cefixime, uh, again, it's going to be a little more expensive. You may not have that on your formulary, but if you do, that is a single dose, 400 milligram once a day. You can use amoxicillin clavulinate, the uh, um, augmentin combination. Uh, you could do a single 3-gram dose of that, or you could use an orofluoroquinolone, but there has been a lot of resistance developed to the orofluoroquinolones, and so there are many people that, that don't recommend its use just because of the resistance that has been developing. But that would be 250 to 500 milligrams as a single oral dose. So that's your treatment of gonorrhea. If it's syphilis, your best treatment is going to be benzathine penicillin, uh, 2.4 million units, IM as a single dose, and... Combine that with either doxycycline, 100, milli, uh, 100 milligrams, whoops, sorry about that, 100 milligrams, I'll have to change that one, um, 100 milligrams of doxycycline, uh, twice a day for 14 days, and then erythromycin, or as an alternative, erythromycin, 500 milligrams, uh, four times a day for 15 days. Erythromycin, less desirable, a whole lot more GI upset, not quite as effective, so uh, doxycycline would be preferable. There would be some times where you can't use a tetracycline, and, and in that case, then you would think about the erythromycin. So I will correct that doxycycline. Epididymitis, if you see that, again, Bactrim uh, can be used, the double strength, twice a day for five days. Doxycycline, I got it right there, 100 milligrams twice a day for five days. Erythromycin can be used. It's often a chlamydial uh, type of uh, infection that's causing epididymitis. And so erythromycin uh, is fairly effective. So 500 milligrams four times a day for five days. Again, not always tolerated um, GI-wise. Azithromycin, again, more expensive. Uh, but if you have some of it, it can be very helpful. Uh, one gram is a single dose. Uh, should be sufficient to to take care of that. Pelvic inflammatory disease um, can be chlamydial, could be gram-negative rods, could be anaerobes. Ideally, it'd be nice if we could uh, uh, have the laboratory services to be able to test and determine that. Not always an option on a short-term trip. Um, if you have a good medical partner that has a lab um, uh, and, and can verify that, um, that would be the standard of practice to, to confirm what it is that's causing that before you initiate treatment. Um, if you don't have that luxury, uh, then you can try uh, the... Um, Amoxicillin clavulinate or the augmentin combination, you can get by using a three gram single dose of that. 
and then uh, go with your doxycycline, 100 milligrams twice a day for seven days for uh, pelvic inflammatory disease. Alternatively, you could give 250 milligrams of IM ceftriaxone and then uh, uh, combine that with doxycycline, 100 milligrams twice a day for seven days. You can use ofloxacin, one of the newer uh, fluoroquinolones, 300 milligrams twice a day for seven days, uh, has also been shown to be effective for pelvic inflammatory disease. Again, as we uh, get to the end of the session, hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about these and, and maybe we'll get some uh, input from experience uh, from the field. Vaginitis can be due to candida. And again, the symptoms are going to uh, um, give you, as a, as a diagnostician, um, uh, an idea of what the cause of the vaginitis is. Uh, but if it's candida, nystatin vaginal tablets, one at bedtime for 14 days, uh, clotrimazole vaginal cream, one applicator full at bedtime for seven days, or you can use fluconazole orally, 150 milligrams, so three of the 50 milligram tablets as a single dose. So that is effective for um, uh, vaginal candidiasis. So that's a, that's a possibility. If the vaginitis is due to trichomonas, then you want to use either metronidazole, 250 milligrams, three times a day, or if you have the 375 milligram tablets, you can use one of those twice a day for seven days. Tinidazole is also an option. You could do um, uh, two grams daily for two days. So give four of the 500 milligrams uh, tablets each day for two days. If you su suspect that it's a bacterial vaginosis, then metronidazole is probably your best treatment. There you're going to use a higher dose. It's going to be 500 milligrams uh, twice a day or 750 milligrams once a day for seven days. Okay, let's move on to upper respiratory tract infections. You'll see a lot of those. Otitis media, treatment, amoxicillin, 250 milligrams by mouth, three times a day for five days. Bactrim or cotrimoxazole, trimethoprim, sulfamethoxazole. Again, for adults, the double strength um, tablet twice a day for five days. Amoxicillin with clavulinate, the augmentin type of product, 625 milligrams twice a day for seven days. So for an otitis media, uh, can be treated with any of those options. External otitis, so um, in, the, in the outer ear, um, uh, the ear canal itself, treat with an antibiotic steroid eardrop. So genomycin hydrocortisone, put one drop in the affected ear twice a day, uh, should be able to take care of that. Uh, you can use acetic acid, one drop in the affected ear twice a day. Uh, should be effective in, in taking care of that. So again, you can use acetic acid or you can use the genomycin hydrocortisone um, uh, topically. 
upper respiratory tracts, moving into more uh, purulent sinusitis. There your treatment would be amoxicillin, 250 milligrams, three times a day for five days. You could get by, in many cases, uh, using your double-strength uh, cotrimoxazole, uh, one twice a day for five days, uh, or the uh, Augmentin, um, again, um, the 625 milligrams twice a day for seven days. Again, lots of times we uh, tend to use antibiotics for longer periods of time in this country, but in the developing world where people are generally naive to antibiotics, um, shorter duration of therapy is usually effective. Exudative pharyngitis. So a lot of sore throats are viral. But if there is um, drainage and pus that makes it look like it's bacterial, then obviously you want to uh, be uh, treating that aggressively with antibiotics. You could use your benzathine penicillin at a dose of 1.25 million units, given IM as a single dose. You could use PenVK as 500 milligrams uh, twice a day for 10 days. Erythromycin, 500 twice a day for 10 days, and cephalexin, 500 twice a day for 10 days. So if it's a bacterial pharyngitis, you're going to go for 10 days rather than typically a lot of the antibiotics we're using five days. You want to go a little bit longer here uh, to make sure that that strep doesn't get uh, 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 translocated and end up in the kidneys. Pneumonia. Again, uh, severe pneumonia, you're going to need to hospitalize that patient and you're going to need to use probably uh, intravenous antibiotics. But uh, a simple pneumonia uh, that uh, you would treat as an outpatient in this country, you can treat it there as well. Your options would include azithromycin, 500 milligrams, uh, followed by 250 twice a day for four doses. If you have with you clarithromycin, that's also a possibility, 500 milligrams twice a day for five days. You could use the, the uh, cotrimoxazole, the uh, trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole. Again, for adults, the double strength, one twice a day for five days. And lastly, the, the uh, amoxicillin clavulinate, the augmentin type product, 625 twice a day for seven days. So again, for a pneumonia, uh, that's how you could take and, and you could approach that. Bronchitis. Most bronchitis is viral and antibiotics should not be used to treat most bronchitis. But if for some reason you strongly suspect that it is a bacterial source that's causing that bronchitis, then your options would include erythromycin, again, if a person tolerates it with uh, GI, uh, 500 milligrams three times a day for five days, or alternatively, amoxicillin 500 three times a day uh, for five days. In many cases, you could get by using the cotrimoxazole the double strength twice a day for five days. Again, so just if you suspect that that bronchitis is, it has a bacterial origin, then you would do that. 
do not treat the typical bronchitis with an antibiotic. Again, for the reasons we talked about at the beginning, the potential for resistance using antibiotics when there's really not a, a, a microbial agent present. Okay, lastly, skin or soft tissue infections. Cellulitis or impetigo, most common examples. Uh, but for uh, severe cellulitis, you probably want to use something that has uh, um, uh, a gram-positive coverage, um, something probably like cloxacillin would be your first choice in many cases. 500 milligrams four times a day for five days. Uh, cephalexin, the first generation cephalosporin, 500 three times a day for five days. Or clindamycin if you have it and, and uh, you want to use it 300 um, uh, uh, three times a day for five days. Again, these are all conditions we're going to be treating here in this country. We often are going to be using different regimens, but um, as I mentioned at the beginning, our focus is going to be based upon the formulary that we've chosen, and we generally have a very limited uh, formulary. I'm going to flip over just uh, quickly and show you what our typical formulary looks like. Just do it this way. So antibiotics, we typically would take Augmentin, we take Ciprofloxacin, we take Cloxacin, and we take uh, Cotrimoxazole um, are the main antibiotics that we're going to have with us. Uh, we may take some um, um, Ceftriaxone as an injectable. So I've got another view of this if I can... We'll take questions in a minute. Let's hear. Uh, um, there we go. There's the full list. Um, so, moxicillin um, in the various forms, azithromycin, ceftriaxone injection, um, the cephalex, the cephalexin capsules, the ciprofloxacin, the cloxicillin, uh, the cotrimoxazole is a suspension, the tablets, the doxycycline, and then the erythromycin. And so that's um, typically what we would have um, for our antimicrobials. The formulary that we have um, lists the bulk quantity that we get, the amount that we typically dispense, and the directions are all right on the formulary so that uh, it's there uh, to, to, uh, to assist. And then um, copies of the formulary are given to the physicians to assist, or the prescribers, PAs, nurse practitioners, or physicians, who any who will be prescribing. So they typically have access to that information. Okay, um, let me flip back for a conclusion slide, and then we will um, jump into questions and, and have some audience participation.
Um, okay, so again, I said it before, I repeat it. Antibiotics are a shared resource. And they're becoming a scarce resource. And therefore, we have a responsibility to be good stewards of those medications. As we participate on short-term trips in the developing world, we need to make sure that those antibiotics, that we're using them appropriately and wisely. We have to keep in mind that they could become a scarce resource if we inappropriately use those and resistance becomes a major problem. Remember, antibiotics are the only drug where use in one patient impacts its effectiveness in another patient because of that potential for resistance developing. And so we have to keep that in mind, that that, uh, it's not going to only affect that one patient. If everyone doesn't use antibiotics well, then we all will suffer the consequences. So, again, In an audience this size, there's usually a wealth of experience and maybe someone would like to address some of the issues that they've observed and experienced with some of these uh, use of antibiotics. Yes, question here or comment. suspect that that probably would take care of that. Now, 750 milligrams of flagell um, might not, not everybody might tolerate that well. And there is actually that 750 milligram recommendation that actually comes from a sustained release product that they've developed. They've developed a slow release one and you're probably not going to have access to that. So, so that 750 recommendation does come from a slow-release product. Um, so um, if you were to take three 250 milligrams, I guess you could do an end-of-one study in a few patients and see if they tolerate it. Just monitor them closely and, and find out if they respond. Uh, but uh, um, that was originally came from a recommendation for a sustained-release product that was developed. Yes? What's the website for your formula? Um, you can go to um, uh, the Christian Pharmacy website. is www.cpfi.org. And then under the tab Outreach, under Short-Term Missions, there's labels there that you can use, and there's a formulary, a sample formulary there. So you can download that. Yeah, www.cpfi.org, O-R-G. Yes? I just thought um, that I heard over the last year, and I 
I have not seen any evidence to support it. Um, so uh, it might it, it might work, um, especially in people who are relatively antibiotic naive. Um, so. That dosing? Yeah, yeah. I have not seen the evidence that supports that, but uh, um, I wasn't looking specifically for that. Okay, other questions? Uh, Herb? How about uh, why is it that the antibiotics are not uh, being researched more and brought out new ones? Um it's probably as much as anything. Um, there's there's not as much profit to be made in antibiotics as there is in in some of the new biologic agents that they can charge thousands of dollars for to patients to relief for these chronic conditions. Whereas you know an antibiotic is going to treat a temporary condition. So for each patient that you treat. You're just using a short course, and so there's probably not as much profit from companies, so there's probably less research being done. That was my question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 uh, that's as much as anything. That's probably the reason. But when there a period where we thought we didn't really need many more antibiotics, that we sort of had the thing covered. Yeah, there's there's you know there are many people there are some people who still think that. <laughs> um, so, you know, there are some who say we don't need more, but I'm not sure that that will bear out in history. But. Well, no, I just think the resistance pattern is why we, we need, but I mean, for a while there, yeah. not only wasn't there the money for it, but... Yeah, yeah, when, when they were working on, need. when they were working on cephalosporin number 32, yeah. you know, yeah, right. <laughs> we, we probably need new classes of antibiotics. Yes. I, in answer to the question down there about the 125 milligram dose of triaxone, yeah. I've heard of that before, but I just looked it up in LexiComp and they still recommend 250. So. Yeah, I, I verified what I included in here in LexiComp as well, and, and the 125 was not recommended in there. Um, and it was not in the handbook of developing medicine again, which was the perspective that I chose to do this because that's the context in which these are being used. Uh, but I didn't go elsewhere. Yes. Regarding UTIs, are men and women both treated for three days, or since they're antibiotic naive generally, do men respond to the three days? I, I'd have to say I honestly don't know. Um, I would guess that if I was treating a male with complaints, what, what I suspected to be a UTI, now more often than not, it's going to be a more of an epididymitis, and external type of thing in a male. Uh, but uh, if I suspected that it was cystitis, um, because it's more difficult to to get that infection, um, I would probably tend to treat it a few days longer, personally. But again, I, I don't have any evidence that supports that. 
just that's what I would think about anyway. Good questions. Yes. You know, I, I'm not. I, I, I and that's that's a very fair question. Um, um, with the ciprofloxacin, it was three days. The others was listed as five days, and that's what the Handbook of uh, Medicine in Developing Countries was recommending five days. I would think three days would be sufficient, but that was their recommendation, and I just reported their recommendation. So I'm not quite sure on that one. Um, they recommended for the ciprofloxacin three days, <laughs> but the others they were treating for five days, and I'm not quite sure why, uh, but that was, that was their recommendation in that, in, in that textbook. Yes? I think I think that might be developing, but right now we don't know that. Um, yeah, yeah, it never used to be the case, but but the way with in many developing co- countries they've got the the you know the the little corner shops they call them in Tanzania the Dukaladawas. Um, people that anybody, you know, any little shop can sell medicines, and there are often antibiotics available there. Um, if people know to ask for them, um, then they might be using them inappropriately. There might be resistance developing. But until we have a significant public health initiative that goes out and validates that, we won't know for sure. And that is a wonderful research project for some school of public health to conduct in, <laughs> and, and uh, it could lead to lots of publications. Um, so that would be a very worthwhile thing to, to evaluate in the developing world. What is the rate of resistance development? Um, they're monitoring that very closely for malaria, the WHO and the CDC. Uh, I would think that it won't be long and they'll need to start monitoring the same for other antimicrobials as well. But right now it's not being done. Yes? I just want to comment the, well, you asked a question about the duration of treatment. Uh-huh. The duration of treatment in the United States has not been studied. And so some of the shorter treatments probably work. And so some of the standard 10-day treatments have been institutionalized with But I think her question, too, was related to that often people here are even treating UTIs for three days. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes? Could you just speak to dental 
Dental related infection, sure. Um, typically, um, what what we are going to use um, on on the trips that I've been on have predominantly focused on amoxicillin. Uh, it has um, a coverage that will take care of most of the the bacteria that you will see in the mouth, and so as long as they have no history of penicillin allergy. Amoxicillin is is sufficient um, uh, for uh, most cases, and and again the the 250 or the 500 milligrams three times a day for five days should be uh, sufficient. And, and it depends on whether or not it's just um, uh, an infected tooth or if they've got a whole cheek size abscess, and then you're worried more about cellulitis. And then you're probably going to think about one of the cellulitis treatments. So it depends on whether or not it's just an abscessed tooth or whether or not it's a an abscess that has uh, um, uh, spread to the the buccal region. Yes. Uh, again, um, yeah, the question was, um, in the U.S., most upper respiratory infections, bronchitis-type infections, are viral. Um, but she's heard that in developing countries that most of them are bacterial, not viral. And I don't, I don't know that there's any evidence that has shown that um, to be the case. Um, and so uh, until I see a study that demonstrates, and again, it goes along with, with the whole idea of developing resistance, is monitoring what, what organisms are most likely causing these infections in these countries, some great public health studies that could be done to try to answer questions specifically like that. Um, and I don't know that we have that information uh, available to us. So if any of you are doing any, the students here, I see there are quite a few students. Anybody going to do a joint um, uh, Master's of Public Health with what you're doing? Lots of good ideas for research projects. Yes. Um, you know, it is listed in the handbook of, of uh, um, uh, medicine in developing countries, but um, we have not had it with us on our formulary in the past 10 years that I've been going on trips. So we've never had it with us, so I didn't even include it. Uh, it is certainly probably just as effective. Um, if you have it and it's there, uh, yes, that could easily be added to that list. Um, I just chose to leave it off because I partly based the talk on 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 what we've done in in the past, and we've never had it on our formulary with us. Um, so, the question was about nitrofurantoin and UTIs. Uh, why wasn't it on the list? Yes, Daniel.
ideas and any suspensions? Um, yes. Um, um, ideally, you'd like to have them refrigerated, but um, they're probably fine at room temperature uh, for five days. We're typically giving the course of antibiotic for five days. Um, that uh, in most cases you should have more than 80% of the potency uh, at the end of five days. So um, ideally, yeah, you'd love to have refrigeration, um, but um, it is uh, still possible uh, to do it without. Um, there is actually, um, we had it on one of our trips. I haven't seen it in this country. Maybe it's available because I don't dispense, but there are uh, chewable amoxicillin tablets, uh, so you don't always have to use suspension, especially in the older children. So if you have the chewable amoxicillin, that's probably a better way to go. Uh, but uh, uh, we had it in, in Nicaragua, but I have not had it with me in Kenya or Ethiopia. Um, so, you know, it just depends on whether or not you have access to that. Yes? Prevent infection. Other questions or comments? This has been good. Well, I think our time is gone, but I've appreciated uh, your attendance and your participation, so thank you.